Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. So I help Lady Carragher Gavin. Um, so I haven't been here because um, I've been out there. So hopefully, though, you don't mind, tonight it's going to be full of stories um, from what's happening um, in Craigavon as well. We've had like the most amazing probably year that I could expect, more than I could have expected us to have, the massive highs and massive lows of breakthroughs and of breakdowns. But that's the kingdom, isn't it? So um, tonight I'll probably be peppering this whole talk with uh, lots of stories about that. Um, I am very excited to be here, but sometimes I struggle to feel excitement. I struggle to feel things in general in person because I'm quite an awkward fella. So I got married last year and I was pretty emotionless during it. And then we watched the video back and it cried my eyes out. So <laughs> kind of person I am. Also, one thing that ruins sort of most situations for me is I'm always thinking, if this was a film, what would the soundtrack be, right? So like, I'm, I'm waiting, like getting married, standing there, I was waiting and Heather come down, but like, you just got like, take that in your head, you're going, today this could be. So, um, so that's a problem. And when, when we were at, uh, we had a baptism service at Cara recently, this is going somewhere in a while, come with me. We were, had a baptism service at Cara, which was unbelievable. We had six people getting baptized who had found Jesus. That's exciting. Um, in America, the clap. Um, so, yeah. So we, we had six people who were getting baptized, right? And I should have, again, I should have been so excited in that moment, right? But I love rap music, okay? Um, I know you can tell. So I was up on the stage, and if anyone's ever heard the song Juicy by Biggie Smalls, I was literally looking around the room going, it was all a dream. Um, so that has led to tonight, I've took a lyric from a rap song to title this, which is just when I discover the meaning of life, they change it. Um, I'm sure there's lots of fans of Birmingham-based rap outfit, The Streets, in the room. Um, But The Streets have this line, just when I discover the meaning of life, they change it. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like, just when you figure things out, things change. Just when you think, this is the thing, or I'm with the person, or I'm doing the thing that's going to give me this abundant life, it's going to make me feel complete, happy, and whole. Just as you get there, it changes. If we're honest with ourselves, probably a lot of the time this happens to us in the, in the Christian life, or maybe it's just me, and if it is, allow me to vent and be vulnerable, and you can all pray for me at the end, but um, often people become Christians, don't they, and they're like full of life, they're full of like vigor, and like, yes, I found this thing, I've got all these new Christian friends, I've got so many meetings to go to, life's an absolute dream, and after a while, just when you discover the meaning of life, it changes and suddenly you don't get the same buzz out of the new friends, out of going to church, and you're told, like, oh, if you do this course, this will be you. Then you'll be cooking on gas, and you go along, and you, you do some course, and you're like, yes, now I've found it, now I've discovered the meaning of life. And again, things wear on, and you get tired, and you get worn out, and you're like, I don't really feel that anymore. And it's like, read this book, go to that conference, download that album, then you'll find life, then you'll find what you are looking for. I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced that in the Christian life. For me, sometimes following Jesus has is, is been the best life, but yet at times I feel like I'm just struggling to find this abundant life because Jesus talked about abundant life, yeah? He talked about eternal life. Jesus promised this. And in the book of Mark tonight, we're going to be reading a story of a man and he's in that chase. We're reading a story about a man who's in that same pursuit, that pursuit of how do I get this abundant life? How do I get this fulfillment? How do I get this life that Jesus promised? And I feel in Jesus' response to him, he's going to respond to us, and then hopefully we'll then respond to that as well. Um, So just when I discover the meaning of life, um, they change it. So we've been following along in these books of Mark. Does anyone have one? 
some people do. I'm guessing from the silence. Um, okay, I've really unhelpfully put it on the screen in a different version, but we'll go for it because it's too dark for me to read it up here. But if you have your book, we're reading Mark 10, 17 to 23. Mark 10, 17 to 23. It's probably tiny. I don't know. I'll read it anyway. So as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. It says in the, in the book we have, Jesus looked on him and liked, liked him. Um, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, if you'd let me, I just want to pray again before we get uh, kick straight in here. And just pray that God's going to bless what we're going to be looking at tonight. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that Jesus lived. We thank you for the stories Jesus told. We thank you that in this, we can find life. And God, I pray that that chase that we often can feel we're on, God, pray tonight just for completeness. We pray that we find our whole selves in you. That God, tonight could be the end of that chase and the beginning of something else. Pray all this in your name. Amen. So in this story, we have a man who's desperate for this eternal life. Like so desperate, he falls down on his knees before Jesus. He's searching and wanting something more. He's tried it all. He's kept the commandments since he was a boy. He's been a good boy. Okay, he went to Sunday school, said his prayers, drank his milk, got his vitamin C. But he still hasn't found what he's looking for. He still hasn't found it. And how many of us feel like that? Um, you go, I've been at this for years. I've been to the prayer meetings, singing all the songs, sticking my hand up at the right time, love my family well, but I'm still missing something. I still know there's more. We're going to focus on Jesus' response to this man. He said, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. We're going to look at three things um, tonight that Jesus was saying when he said it. Because when Jesus speaks often, there's so much depth to what he's saying. He's not just saying one thing. He's saying a multitude of things. We're going to kind of break it down a little bit tonight. Look at some of the things that Jesus was saying to this man and see what Jesus is saying to us. Because this isn't just some historic story. This is Jesus in the room with us tonight speaking afresh to us. So my first point, one that we'll all love, is give up your money. Give up your money. Don't you love to hear that? Um, Jesus knew that this man's life was caught up with his money. He had spent his life accumulating wealth and riches and money. This man had all the possessions that they were to have. He's literally known as a rich young man. Um, and um, money had become this man's God. But how easy does that happen to all of us? We live in a really money-driven world, don't we? Constantly being shown the latest iPhone or the latest nice house or the latest nice car that we need to have. But chasing money is never going to bring you life. But I don't need to preach that to you tonight. It's not like I'm going, money won't buy you happiness, and you're all shaking your head. Like We all know that, don't we? Um, if, you're, if you're older, you probably listen to Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles. If you're younger, Rich and Sad by Post Malone. Some references for you. Um, so... There are, there are very few people in here tonight um, who are going to go, no money is definitely going to buy you happiness, but often we live lives like it would. 
Like, I got a new pair of shoes on Thursday. And like, I thought this was the best thing ever because I ordered them at Thursday at three and they're at my house for Friday at nine. And I was filled with deepest joy. But I'm not even wearing them right now. I've completely forgot about them. But I was caught in that cycle. If you saw me on Friday morning when that box came, you'd have went, he finds all his identity, all his happiness in possessions. They are nice shoes though. But Jesus' message was always hope to the poor and Jesus' message was always hard to hear for the rich. Jesus' message was always hope to the poor and Jesus' message was always hard to hear for the rich. And for some people in this room tonight, I think Jesus' message is as clear and obvious as the first reading. I think for some of you, you don't actually need me to delve too far into this tonight. Jesus is calling, has been calling, and will continue to call some of us to literally sell up everything we have. Some people in this room are being called to sell up all you have, sell your possessions, give it away to the poor, Go and live and work um, among the poor. There's a difference between working with the poor and working among the poor. One isn't better than the other. One isn't a higher calling, but there is a difference between working with the poor and working among the poor. And I feel there's some people in this room tonight and you're being called to sell all you have to relocate your life and to go and work among the poor. And there's no, there's no better calling than that. <clears throat> I grew up fairly well off. I know I look like an extra from Only Fools and Horses, but I, um, I was definitely more Mark from the Manor than Mark from the Block. But about, um, about three years ago, with, with me and some of my friends, something began to happen in our hearts for, um, for the poor, um, for the poor in our own society, for Kurgavan. That's why Cara exists. That wee piece of land, that village of roundabouts between Lurgan and Portadown, you can say it's, it's just a load of housing estates beside uh, roundabouts, but actually... Just past Mournview, yeah, the, the first roundabout after Mournview, if you're going towards Gregavon, you'll reach the area of Drumgask, and in Drumgask, 52% of young people are in poverty. Okay, so go grab a load of kids, and don't do that, but go and spy a load of, no, go to Drumgask, more, more than likely not, those children will be in, um, in poverty. That breaks my heart, and it breaks many people's hearts. So we began to do all the things that Christians do, and it's good. We began to prayer walk, and lots of things happened out of that, and we loved the hamper drops, and we had a whole lot of goodwill in the world. But it, it didn't overly bring like, a whole lot of peace to the people or to us. Sometimes it appeased our guilt that I was going home to my new shoes. But as me and my friends began to pray, we began to um, have to be the answer to our own prayer. We began to pray, God, come and do something in this area. Come and do something with these people. And he said, on, on you go. And we ended up opening kids' clubs and um, doing works on the streets and, and all this kind of stuff. And it, and it was great. But I felt personally called not just to do my Christianity among the poor, but to go and be and relocate and live there. Um, it doesn't make me this calling, as I said, is no more special than anyone else. But for me, when I got married, um, I moved into one of the estates. Um, and my house now isn't like a burnt out shack. Don't be going thinking that. It's full of new shoes. But poverty, and also poverty is not a badge of honor, okay? There's no, like, honor in this. There's no, like, this makes you better than anyone else. Um, but w the reason I relocated, and the actual difference is made when it comes to being out in the streets on a Friday night, I'm out in the streets with Youth for Christ Graven on a Friday night. And it makes a difference to people when they go, where do you live? And I say, I live there. I said, you're living among us. You're, you've actually relocated your life to, um, to being among us. And it makes a massive difference. Um, I've had kids from Aspire being able to turn up. Uh, I work for Aspire. Um, we work in schools. And I've had kids being able to turn up my door and speak to me because um, I'm living where they're living. But my favorite story isn't one of my own. My favorite story from Carol, I'd love to share you a little bit about this, is Maddie Turner and Simon Moutre. So some of you know those people, some of you don't. But they're part of the leaders at Carol. 
And these two guys, like Simon, he's a good lad. He, he manages me trees in Kilkemain. If you ever need any goods in Kilkemain, go there. And Matty's at university. So Simon could just, you know, save up all his money and get a big house. And Matty could go live the high life at university in Belfast. But these two guys decided they also wanted to relocate. Something had caught their heart, yeah? They wanted to give up their riches. They knew that life wouldn't be found in this. Okay, they'd caught something that this man who walks away sad hadn't caught, and they decided to relocate and move house, and they moved into this estate. And they, they would always, you ask them what was going on, they'd always say, not a whole pile, we're just talking to people and being nice and opening gates for people. It all seemed very insignificant. Um, but then there was one night, so I always turned my phone on silent, but for some reason I left it on loud, and at 3 a.m. I get a phone call one night, and I'm like, oh, who is this? And it was Simon, and he was absolutely terrified. And he was like, there's someone knocking on my door and it's a really, really sinister knock. I, I don't know what kind of knock that was. I was like, is, don't know, these are the options I went through. Is it a drunk knock? No, it's not a drunk knock, it's too fast. Is it a drug knock? No, it's not a drug knock. What kind of knock is it? I don't know, but it's dark. So um, because I'm hard as nails, I got in my car and went to go see what was going on. So I drove into their estate and there's ambulance and there's fire brigades. There's all kinds of mad stuff going on. So I knew this was bigger than just a knock, um, but I didn't really know what it was. They went to sleep. I went on home. But it turned out Matty and Simon had moved in to be among people they wouldn't naturally have been around, had relocated their lives, made friends with a neighbor who had then moved out. Her flat had been burnt out that night and was flooding. And when she needed to find some hope, where did she go to? She went to these guys because they had relocated, because they had moved their lives to being among the poor. She went to their house because she, well, she, she thought there'd be hope, but there was just fear. But they did, they did, they did look after her afterwards and offer her a place to stay and still in touch and it's lovely. But um, she went to their house because where we turn up, hope turns up. Yeah, where we turn up, hope turns up. Phil touched on this this morning a bit, that you hear a lot of sermons about faith and about love, but not many of hope. But where we turn up, hope turns up, because Christ within us is the hope of glory. There's something about relocation among the poor. But some people in this room aren't called to that. There's people in this room, and you're not called to that, and you shouldn't feel guilt or shame about that. Some people are called to give. Jesus asked this man to sell all he had and give to the poor. And do you know what? For someone, I work for Aspire. We're a Christian charity. We rely on people to give. And sometimes I just want to apologize for the times that I've made my work that I'm doing seem more significant than you're giving. Because one is not better than the other. In fact, we both need each other. People are called to give as much as people are called to sell all they have and go and, go and do this stuff. When you look at Jesus and he, and he met Zacchaeus that day, Jesus told Zacchaeus to give. To give, and there's people in this room who are called to give. Um, so if you're if you're in here um, and you feel like called to give, I just want to say go and do that because that might be not giving might be the thing that's holding you back from finding life. And if you're in here and you don't want to give, definitely go and give because that is the thing that is holding you back from finding life. Because Jesus calls us; it's not easy. Okay, this is hard stuff. The man, walked, the man didn't walk away sad because he just couldn't be bothered. The man walked away sad because this is hard, difficult stuff. Jesus is calling people to give. I'm going to use this opportunity to get a quick bugbear off my mind as someone who's always asking people for money, right? If you are rich and want to give money, I will not know the magic words. I will not know the secret handshake, okay? None of us will. If you've got money to give, go and find something you want to pour your life into and give to it. Don't make it so difficult, okay? It's not, it's not the kingdom to make it like the apprentice. Um, Go and give, because in this, you will find life. But I know for some people in the room, you're sitting here going, I actually don't have a whole lot of money anyway. This isn't really applicable to me. But Jesus wasn't just talking about this man's money, was he? 
This man finds so much more of his identity wrapped up in this. This was not just money. Jesus was calling this man to give up his pride. And Jesus is calling us to give up our pride. This man couldn't let go of his riches, couldn't let go of the stuff he had accumulated because he found so much of his identity in it. Yeah? He had found so much of who he was in his money and in his riches, so much so that this eternal life that he fell on his knees moments before looking, no longer was he able to give up this stuff because his pride got in the way. Sometimes we carry pride. We, we won't do things because we're so proud. And sometimes these things are ugly and it's clear for anyone to see. But sometimes these things might look holy and good. Sometimes these things might look holy and good. I learned a very important lesson in this last year. So I was away. Um, lots of people from church went to, where did we go last year? Birmingham for 24-7 gathering in, uh, in Birmingham. And it was amazing. And God was speaking and doing all these amazing things. And I was like, I love Jesus. He's brilliant. And then that Sunday night, came to church, came to Emmanuel. Um, and I was like, I'm going to worship God right now because I love God, right? So it was whenever the front was all cleared, like the worship mosh pit. So I got up on the front because I was keen. I was keen to worship. And I was like, I love God. I'm going I'm to worship so hard to these tunes tonight. And then the band got up. And honestly, they were absolute banger after banger of worship tune. But in my head, I felt, um, oh, backstory. So couple of months before that, Grant had asked me um, to help him to um, be part of the team that coordinates the tray, which is the young adults in, um, in Emmanuel. And I'd said, yes, I will do that. That's a great idea. Right. Skip to the tunes. So I'm, I'm trying to worship God like never before because I'm pumped. And I feel God say to me, Mark, why are you helping out with young adults? <laughs> and I was like, God, please. It's worship time. And again, I felt God going, Mark, why, why are you doing young adults? And I was like, God, it's my worship time. Would you leave me alone? Because that makes sense. Um, so I tried my best to fake it a bit, you know, hands in the air, see what I could do. But I just kept feeling this going round and round in my head. Mark, why are you helping out with young adults? And I was like, well, I better go sit down. God's ruined my worship night. So I went and sat down and I was like, okay, God, well, why, 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 why is this a problem? And at the time, Cara had only started doing Sunday gatherings that September, and we were averaging 10 sort of people on a Sunday night. And I felt God saying to me, you have to do this, young adults, because you know people are guaranteed to turn up. People aren't guaranteed to turn up on a Sunday, Cara. So there's part of your pride, there's part of my pride that went here, at least if Cara flops on a Sunday, I'll go, yeah, young adults, so it's, it's where it's at. Because part of me was wrapped up in my own pride. I had to be part of something successful to feel some sort of worth or to feel loved or worthy or useful um, for God. So I was, I was holding on to this thing. So I was like sitting in my chair and again, pride kind of came in. And I was like, okay, I'm really enlightened now. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell Grant the Cant to the young adults. Now I've learned this lesson. All is good. I'm a super Christian again. So I went and met Grant that week and says, look, can't help out the young adults because they got this whole thing going on with pride, right? Cut to a few days later. And do you remember the superhero party? It was here, right? So this is a couple of days later. And the kids from our kids club at Cara are meant to be coming to the superhero party. And I am buzzing, right? I'm walking around telling everyone. I've got the Amanya minibus key swinging around my finger. Like, I'm the boy. Oh, where do you see our kids? Honestly, where do you see? Our kids are brilliant. They're better than these kids here. Honestly, Kurgavan kids, where it's at. Honestly, so full of pride again because I had, I, had, I had sorted myself out with God the previous Sunday. This was all good. Right, so me and Matty get in, get in the bus and we drive out to Ardoan where Cara is and we're sitting there and 
just waiting for the kids here, a wee bit late for some reason. And uh, we're sitting there, and we're sitting there, and we're sitting there, and we're sitting there. No kids, apart from some who really rudely come to do trick or treat after promising me they were coming here. Um, so we're like, oh my goodness. Like, what are we going to do? We can't, like, I've just left swinging these keys. I've just left there going, where do you see these kids? Like, this couldn't get any worse. Well, we, uh, we decided, we were like, look, we'll go back to Emmanuel. Like, what's the worst that could possibly happen? So I don't know if you were there, but um, we arrived as 1,000 people stood in the car park. And coming up one side of, uh, of Castle Lane is Batman. <laughs> coming up the other side is me and Maddie in our empty bus. Right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's Batman. Like, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. And we just, we pulled into Lidl Car Park and it was still open. And we sat there and we were like, oh, this is awful. Will we go up? I don't even want to go up. This is horrendous. But, you know, I felt God saying to me then, speaking to me about my pride, are you, are you willing to be faithful even if it doesn't look like success? Are you willing to pursue faithfulness over success? And that hurt my pride. Driving him on that bus hurt my pride. People asking where the kids are hurt my pride. But it was an important lesson that I had to learn. It was a tough pill to swallow, so tough for this rich young man that he didn't want to swallow it, that he left without life but still carrying his pride. Even in terms of our faith, we need to ask, are we chasing success or are we chasing faithfulness? Are we chasing the kingdom or are we chasing some alternative kingdom? Something that looks like a kingdom that maybe people can't tell what's going on. What are you doing for show that you need to knock on the head? What are you doing for show at the minute that you just need to knock on the head? What are you turning up to that so it looks like faithfulness or really it's some sort of pride issue? Or what are you not doing because you're absolutely terrified it's not going to work? What has God been saying to you for so long that perhaps it's actually starting to feel like disobedience because you're not doing it? But there's something about your pride that's holding you back. This man walked away from the abundant life, walked away sad, and we can do the same when we do time and time again. But what decisions are you, do you have to make in your life to do with your pride? Jesus is calling us to give up our money. Jesus is calling us to give up our pride. But Jesus was saying even more than that to this man. Maybe there's some people in this room and you're like, you know what, I don't really struggle with the whole money thing. Pretty generous. Five pound a month despair. Um, I don't really struggle with the, the whole pride thing. I've dealt with that. And that's great. You know, that's great. But Jesus was calling this man to so much more. Jesus was calling this man to give up his life. And Jesus is calling us today to give up our very life. This man, I don't know his name. You don't know his name. He's called in the Bible, we refer to him as a rich young ruler or the rich young man. His whole life is defined by his riches. His whole life is defined by what he had acquired. Kind of like when people call me the handsome young man. I'm more than that. Um, but Jesus, Jesus was saying to this man, if you want to find eternal, abundant life, you need to give up your very life because his riches were his life. His riches were his life. Where, where are you finding your life? Where are you finding your life? Because if you won't give it up for Jesus, that's going to become all, that's all you have. The treasure you build up on this earth, you won't give to Jesus, that's it. That's all you get for it. Um, we got, uh, we, we were meeting at Cara in um, a building that we were renting, and then um, 
drop-in ministries give us this one. Look at that. That's snazzy. So they give us this. Um, I know it's exciting, isn't it? So we got this building, and uh, it's unreal, right? And it was rubbish the day we got. It wasn't rubbish. It was lovely. In case you're listening, it was lovely. But we, we put loads of work in to making this place look really, really well. And the night that we did that, we had Ali Emerson, like pastor and ex-Crusaders player, and, uh, and Adam Cox from America. Imagine an American coming to Kurgawan, right? And they came out to pray with us. And I thought, I am the boy. Look at this. Look at our purple lights. I honestly thought, I am the boy. I've given my life and look what I have now. Isn't this powerful? And they were praying for us. Like, and I was playing guitar and my new speakers with the subs and all. Powerful. And we were going, oh, we're the boys. And we all got in a circle and all. We'd give up our very life to see Jesus, to see the kingdom come in Kurgawan. And they're all stretching out their hands and praying for us. And I'm going... This is brilliant. Like, look at me and the boy. Like, look at that. I even, I even chose one, because that, that was the baptism night. There's more people there than ever before. And I chose one with that kind of an angle, so I didn't seem prideful. But honestly, um, we got it all set up. And I went home absolutely buzzing. Then I gave my life up, and now I had this class building for Sundays. Like, brilliant. I decided I was going to go home and play FIFA 2006, because I'm a modern man. And um, just when I was on my way home, I got a call, right? And I was like, oh, it's FIFA time, but I'll answer the phone. And one of our friends who struggles with um, drinking, one of our friends who had have a problem with drinking, had gone missing, right? But I just, I just got set up and I was ready for Cara the next day. But part of my head thought, when I rescue this boy from his turmoil, I will look like the man. So we began to drive around looking for him. Okay, so it's about maybe seven, eight o'clock. We're driving around and... Like to do, because I'm a hard worker as well. I was, uh, I was wearing shorts and this jacket that was all covered in dust and a hat. And we had to go around every bar and board it down looking for him. I look like an absolute space cadet going into every one of them. Nope, not here. Um, but after a while, it turned out he was at home and he was sleeping in the living room. And I, could, I had no heroic story. So I was a wee bit annoyed, but I was like, right, we'll go play FIFA now. So we did. Had a few games. One, two, lost one. By the way. Um, and then I was going to bed. But I was still pretty pumped because I'm the boy. I have this building, new sound desk, wee purple lights, all the all the all the stuff there. Um, fifty chairs, no ball. Um, and I was I was up in about to go to bed, and I got a message from um another friend who said, look, someone who'd been with us all day, who'd been working hard with us, um, he was he's got struggles with mental health, and he he was feeling suicidal. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake. I have church tomorrow. So I had to, I had to go. Had to go and we had to go and we sat in his house, me and Simon, and we ended up in um, the hospital. So we ended up with this whole thing with the police are there. And like, I'm going, I have big service tomorrow. I'm going to get these lights on. And we, um, we end up in the hospital and we're in the hospital and trying to like do our best to look after this fella. And in the middle of that, right, so we're now in the hospital trying to get food from, if anyone's ever been to Kerrigan Hospital recently, those weird vending machines, they're, they're kind of futuristic, but kind of old. It's uh, strange. So we were there and then my phone goes, and it's one of the young people from Cara, and they're in a bit of like distress, and they need some help. They need picked up, and I was like, "Oh goodness me, I have so much to do in this new snazzy building tomorrow, though." And um, somebody went and got them, and, and all the rest. So I finally, at twenty past five, I get home on the Sunday morning. Um, I got home, and I was like, "Right, I'm not going to Emmanuel in the morning. Lord forgive me." So got into my bed. Went to sleep, woke up the next day, and I knew how to get some stuff ready for Cara. And Heather, by the way, is also away this weekend. So this is, like, I have nothing for lunch because I haven't thought about it. So I, uh, I come down to Emmanuel to borrow the printer. <laughs> Don't mean borrow it, take it away. I mean print some stuff. And uh, I get whatever needs done. 
I have to eat eight dry muffins. I don't have to, but I went to the shop for lunch and bought eight dry muffins. So it was just, you know, the start of May or June when it was absolutely roasting. I'm sitting in my car, proper sweltered, right? Tears in my eyes, mainly because of the muffins, eating these muffins, going, oh, I feel so very, very fragile right now. But I get home, right? Get home and I've got 10 minutes. So I'm at home and I'm like, right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray to God because we were attacked by the enemy last night, and I fell down on my knees and I was praying. <laughs> Settle yourselves. Um, I got home and uh, fell on my knees before before the service, and I I began to cry because I was like, God, this is awful. But in that moment, okay, in that moment, <laughs> calm down. In that moment, I thought we were under some mad attack of the enemy, but actually, I've come to see that. This is what God calls us to. Over and above the new sound desk, over and above the new lights, over and above the new building. God, he's concerned about that, okay, and we try and do it very well, but God was calling us to people. All those things I thought were getting in my way is exactly what God was calling us to. All those people that I saw as a nuisance that night was exactly what God was calling us to. Cara, yeah, we're going to run Sunday afternoons, but Cara's not about the Sunday afternoons. Cara was about the hospital. Cara was about chasing the guy who's actually at home sleeping. Cara was about going and picking people up when you can't be bothered. It's about, you know, this is what it was all about. This is the kingdom. And I was lying on my bed and I was like going, oh, okay, this maybe wasn't an attack of the enemy. Maybe this was a good thing. And honestly, like I, I'm not weird, okay? So I felt this mad rush of the Holy Spirit over me, and I don't normally feel things, I guess, and if I do, I keep it quietly. But I felt this mad rush of the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray, right? And I began to pray in tongues like I never had before, like laying up in the bed, and I was like, what is this? And I felt God saying, now you've got it. Now you've got it. Not me, but us as, 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 as Carol. We got, we'd broken into something because we had actually began to give up our very lives. This is what it's all about. And I was tired and I was emotional and I was all these things, but I felt more alive in that moment than I probably ever, ever have. And this is what Jesus is calling you to. And this, this is what Jesus is, is calling all of us to. Jesus is calling us to give up our very lives. Jesus is calling us to give up our very lives. And when we give up our life, we will find it. This is the call Jesus has for you tonight. Give up your life. Stop just holding on to things. Give up that money that's holding you back. Give up that pride that is holding you back. Give up wanting to hold on to things or control things and give them over to me. Give me your very life. And all of this may seem really heavy tonight. All of it sounds a bit heavy, doesn't it? I just want you to, it's real simple, just give up your money, give up your prayer, give up your life, boom. But this seems really, really heavy. Like, where's the good news? Where's the good news of this? But you know, this whole thing is good news because Jesus was not coming with a new law. Jesus was not coming with a heavy challenge to this man, nor is he coming to you with a new law or a heavy challenge. Jesus is coming offering you your freedom. Jesus is coming offering you your freedom. Jesus was offering this man freedom. This was not heavy. This was not a new thing this man had to do. Giving up his riches was going to set this man free because he was never going to find his happiness in it, yeah? Giving up his pride was going to set this man free. Pride comes before a fall. Jesus was calling this man to give up your pride. You'll be free. Jesus was calling this man to give up, finding his identity and his wholeness in his money and give up his life. And in that, he will find life because the man left sad. 
The man left sad and Jesus was sad as he looked on him because Jesus wasn't offering this man a heavy burden. Jesus isn't offering you a heavy burden tonight. This is not heavy. This is not something that you need to feel like, oh, I've got to do all this stuff. Jesus is coming to lift that heaviness off you tonight. What Jesus offered this man and what Jesus offers tonight is freedom. Freedom was available for that man and he didn't take it and freedom is available here and now for you and it's up to you whether you're going to take this freedom or not. This man's life was being ruined by his riches. His pride was killing him. Uh, He literally fell at Jesus' feet. He has no life left in him. But what about you? Do you want to be free tonight? Does anyone else feel entrapped by any of these things? I do all the time. So I don't need to be freed for the hundredth time tonight. I don't need to be reminded of their, free, of their freedom tonight. I feel there is probably a million different ways to respond to what's happening. And if you've got something going on, then go with that. But I love the band to come as I kind of talk you through maybe three that I've thought of, three different ways to respond to this tonight and to receive your freedom. Um, and, and tonight, as soon as, I, as soon as I give these, I don't know how you want to respond. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you want to go to prayer ministry. It'd be a good way to start. Um, but or maybe have a chat with me or a chat with someone else here you love and trust. But I've got three responses I want to kind of offer for you. For some of you, I think your response is going to look a bit mad to everyone else. For some of you, I think it's going to look a bit mad. Honestly, I'm not just saying this. This isn't like hype. I honestly feel like there's at least one person or family in this room and you feel called to sell all you have and relocate among the poor. Honestly, I feel there's at least one person, at least there's at least one person in here tonight, and you feel called to relocate, to change your lifestyle. And maybe, I don't know what that means, maybe it means to, to come with us in Cara, Phil, not mind me saying that. Maybe that means to, I don't know, move to Nepal, do whatever it is, but I feel there's at least one person in here, and you're like, do you know what, that's what I have to do. That's what I've been saying no to. That's what I need to do to find life. For some people, their response is going to look a bit mad. For some people, though, I think some people need to lay down some pride and begin to listen to the whisper of the Spirit again. There are people in here, and you've got dreams. You've been so scared that things aren't going to work, that you're not going to give it a go. And it's gone beyond fear. It's gone beyond fear to the point of disobedience. And God's saying, let's go lay that pride down. Go and do that thing. Go and see that dream fulfilled. At least speak it out again. Don't let your pride get in the way. And if that's you and you feel, you know what, your pride's been holding you back, then speak about it today. Speak it out today. Grab someone at the back today for prayer ministry. Don't leave carrying your pride. And the last one that I'm going to suggest maybe lots of people could be feeling tonight is a call to give your very life. And maybe for the first time, and that would be really cool, but... I'm talking about, I feel God calling people from, and this is what I've been feeling in my life the past couple of months, calling people from a convenient Christianity to an inconvenient kingdom. I feel God's calling people from a convenient Christianity to the inconvenient kingdom. You're tired of having all your acts of justice and mercy pre-planned and in your Google calendar. You're tired of, um, of, of just going through the motions. And you want to give your very life. Anytime I have a load of free time to hang out with people and look after people, nobody ever needs looked after. Anytime I'm midway through a film with a feet up and I want to leave the house, that's the time that you know me need to go. That's the time somebody know me needs you. That's annoying and it's inconvenient, but it's the kingdom and it's where we find life. Is anyone tired of just going through the motions? Anyone else want to give everything back to God and find our life and giving up our life? 
Um, if that's if you're any of those, any of those or anything else tonight, um, I just love to pray for you. So um, I'm not going to like labour this because I'm sweating like mad. But if, if if any of this is resonating with you, you want me to pray. I'm just going to say like a real simple prayer. But I recommend you jump down the bank and pray, ministry. I just love you to stand. I'm going to lie like 20 to 30 seconds, and I'm going to pray. Any of this is speaking, you just jump to your feet and I'd love to pray for you. If anyone's feeling that pride right now, go and don't stand. Because then you're going to have to talk about that thing. And you're going to have to, don't let, it, don't let it keep you down. Don't let pride keep you sitting. Don't let pride keep you from responding to God today. great I'm going to pray my prayer is not magic I'm not doing anything magic here I'm just going to pray for you but I honestly don't just even leave it at this come and grab someone get down to the back after get prayer ministry because if we give our very lives to God to see the inconvenient kingdom come it's going to be amazing it's going to look different your life might look different but I'm just going to pray. Let's respond in worship. And then honestly, get, get down the back. Don't let anything hold you back from getting down the back. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you lived a life of inconvenience for us. God, that you gave everything so that we could find life. And God, I thank you even for that moment where you looked at the rich young man and you looked on him and you loved him. You looked on him and you liked him. God, we thank you that you like us tonight. God, that you're not looking at us with arms crossed tonight. You're looking at us with arms open. God, that you want us to find our life in you. Lord, that giving up our pride, we're going to find new life. God, and giving up our riches, we're going to find joy beyond anything. that we Like we're going to find real riches in, in heaven, God. And giving up our life, we're going to find abundant life, that we're going to be living this abundant life. God, I want to give up the chase tonight and just give it all to you. So Jesus, I pray that for every person responding here today, God, that you'd be with them. God, that this response would be more than just a a one-time stand-up in church thing, but that this will lead to action, to life, to love, to change. We thank you for what you're doing. pray even in worship that you'll continue with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.